You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Thanks everyone for joining us for another week of Marketing Jam. I'm so excited you've chosen to join us, spend some time with us. Uh, whether you are walking, commuting, uh, doing dishes, uh, whatever you're doing at your time right now, um, you're going to really enjoy uh, our next guest that we have on the show today. Steven, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Fun to jam with you. So, Stephen, I need you to share your job title and, and what does that mean? Because I, I is the most fascinating job title I've ever heard on this entire show. Sure. Well, I'll start with, you know, the world that we see. So I work for Simon Sinek, work with Simon Sinek. We imagine a world in which the vast majority of people wake up each day feeling inspired, feel safe wherever they are and end each day fulfilled by the work that they do. Uh, and my role, I'm, I lead, I'm head of brand experience and lead igniter. Um, so I've been working with Simon for 43 millennial years, which is about nine real life human years. Um, there's a correlation between millennial years and dog years I've learned. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm most passionate that, you know, we, we preach a pretty big message, mm -hmm. um, and we put it in our books and we put it on stages and, and, uh, I'm very passionate that we live what we preach from the inside out. And that's part of my job. So when I say brand experience, first and foremost, what's our employee experience, what's our experience of people partnering with us. Um, and then I help ensure that everything that goes to the outside world, um, communication on social and marketing, um, our products, our speakers and facilitators represent our brand and our most deeply held values and beliefs. Wow. I, and I can say my experience so far has been great. So thank you for that. Cool. <laughs> <That's been> <laughs> on on brand, I, I, I certainly hope. Uh, for those people that are listening or watching, um, and, and they may for some reason have not heard of Simon Sinek, uh, who is he in a nutshell and kind of what, what's the Simon Sinek story? Sure. So the Simon Sinek story is he was a regular guy just like you and me. Um, he had uh, a marketing career. Um, he discovered a, a simple pattern that those marketers who had the capacity to inspire and generate real loyalty all thought, act, and communicated in the same way, and it was the complete opposite of others. Whereas most people start with what they sell or what they offer and how they're different or better than their competition. Um, he found that every single inspiring organization and leader from your Wright brothers to your Martin Luther King Jr.'s to your Harley Davidson or Apples or Patagonia's or Chobani yogurts, mm -hmm. they all start from the inside out. They, they stand for something bigger than any product. They stand for a belief and their products and services represent that belief in an authentic way. Um, and so uh, Simon made this discovery. He started sharing it with some clients, but little did he know he stumbled across something more and bigger than just marketing messaging. He discovered what inspires us and generates loyalty and engagement throughout our lives and careers. Um, and we like to say we don't care about business, we care about people. You can just impact a lot of people's lives when you show up and with with you know what they do and 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 where they work um so yeah simon stumbled across upon this discovery and he realized in his own career at this point he was entered into year four of his own uh small marketing and communications boutique agency um and he knew what he did he knew how he did it different or better than others but he didn't know why he was doing it he didn't know why he was busting his chops to make 
sure his clients sold more widgets or made more money. Um, he paused. It would have been the fall of 2005 or six, uh, and he focused on finding his why, um, which is to inspire, to inspire people to do what inspires them so that together each of us can change our world for the better. Um, oh. And he went down his client list and put check marks next to the clients that he's like, yep, inspired to work with them. I'm inspired by them. They inspire me. I want to keep working with them. And the others were just a, a transaction and not a relationship. He went like, I wish you the best, like see ya. Um, this is my focus now. Yeah. Uh, and his his uh, levels of passion restored to those he'd never experienced previously. Uh, and he just kept sharing this why to anyone who would listen. Um, and his friends were making crazy life decisions for the better. And he kept being invited to people's living rooms all over New York City, just talking about this pattern he noticed that he mm -hmm. called the the golden circle. And the invites, the, the invitations just kept getting crazier and crazier. Uh, you know, to the Pentagon and to the Air Force and NASA and so on and so forth. Um, yeah. And a business said, hey, can you help me find my why as an organization? And he went, sure. <laughs> I've never done it before, but we can give it a go. Uh, and so, you know, that was some, you know, 13, 14 years ago. And, and we're here today, a number of books later. Um, yeah. But the main point is everything we do is to help create a more inspired, safe and fulfilled world. That's so cool. So the the TED talk, or or maybe yes. it was a TEDx talk. It was first. a TEDx talk, yeah. And was it Puget Sound? Did yeah. It? Okay. And was that first before the book, or did the book come first? That was, I believe, the talk was before the book, but they yeah. were pretty close in in unison. Okay. And then once the book came out, I think the talk went crazy. I might be getting some of those facts wrong, but they were both early days. Okay. I remember at the time I was working in um, fundraising in the charity sector and the TEDx talk came out, which I find so fascinating about TED. You don't need to be on the TED stage, which is now hosted in Vancouver and uh, pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but if you do a TEDx talk, like in Puget Sound or Chilliwack or some small town, the, you have the as much opportunity as anyone else to really, in a sense, quote unquote, go viral, right? And, and for anyone, like I saw that video shared. I remember when at first, like, I, I think I, like eight or nine or 10 people shared it on their Facebook account. And I was seeing this, like, what is this TEDx talk that everyone needs to see from Puget Sound? Right. Well, the, Simon tells a funny story. He was sitting in a meeting and everyone's describing what they do. And someone said, I make viral videos. And Simon said, no, you don't. He said, you make videos and you hope they go viral because viral is, is a result. And we don't get to decide what videos go viral. No, everyone does. Like yeah. that's, a, that's not our, our choice. Um, but Simon admits he fully won the internet lottery uh, and he's won it at least twice. Hmm. <laughs> so and yeah, fun. the other one was him talking about the critique on millennials in the workplace. Yeah, it wasn't so much of a it wasn't so much of a critique as it was a commentary, or maybe a critique on all sides. And it, um, yeah, it was a defense. It was a defense, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so so one was the the TEDx, and the reason he won the internet lottery there is um, Simon's talk, TEDx talk, was one of the first ever that made it onto TED.com. Um, it was just the beginning of them putting TEDx talks on TED.com. Oh, so. So, I mean, now there's just way more TEDx's. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, the quality of the video is low. His microphone broke and he had to switch microphones. Um, but the reason that talk spread is because people watch it. It struck a chord and yeah. they shared it with a friend. You got to see this, you know? Oh, yeah. um, and then the millennial talk, 
uh, I mean, he simply, you know, Simon loves to experience, like he gets his ideas through experiences and through conversations. Mm -hmm. And so in every single event that he'd done, whether he was on a stage or on in a boardroom, he would always get the millennial question, you know, how do I engage and, and retain this, this uh, unemployable generation, which is BS, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and he devised an, an answer, which is, you know, millennials are the way they are because of parenting styles, because of technology and what technology does to our impatience and also the environments that many of us are entering in where it's more of a transaction than a relationship, that we're actually a number rather than a human being. And why should we be loyal when we're not treated with loyalty? You mm -hmm. know, our relationship with an organization is like any other relationship we have with anyone else in our lives. Yeah. You know, what is an, an organization? It's not a logo or bricks and mortar. It's the relationships we have with the people who work there. Yeah. Uh, and so in order to expect a millennial to stay at a place for more than two years, you have to give them reason to yeah. in their own growth and development as much as a person as well as their as their career. Mm. Um, so it's, you know, it's not that millennials don't want to be loyal. They're just as loyal as any other human being. But they saw their grandparents or their parents get laid off because they were on the wrong side of a balance sheet or an Excel spreadsheet. It's like, well, why should I give all all I have and more when uh, I could just be the next one that's that's axed? Mm. So we we need to create uh, uh, environments in our organizations that, uh, ex that the natural result is people want to stay there because of the way that they they feel the way they're treated and the way that they, they grow. So tell me about you. How did you, um, first get into the, the job you have now? Cause it's fascinating. I'm sure everyone wants your job and be like, I want, you know, they hear Simon speak like, I want to work for you, but, but you, <laughs> you got me. the job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Total luck and accident as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had a couple of jobs in corporate Canada, if you will. Um, uh, right out of biz school, I joined, um, an oil and gas company. Not that I cared so much about that industry, but it was a leadership development program. And I went, I love leadership. I just neglected to ask them how they define the term. Um, because there's no standard definition. My definition is to serve those in your span of care to, you know, advance something bigger than yourself, bigger than them profit. And that's not the standard definition. Too many people define leadership by PL, authority, title, rank. That's not what it is. Can you um, can you give your definition again? That was I find that fascinating. So leadership is the res the responsibility to take care of those in your span of care. Brilliant. And then the second one you said was and the well of what of what other people can, can or what you said the, the, the one you said where uh drive something that's bigger than profit yes yes that i mean a so i think that the definition of leadership is um um advance purpose and protect people wow that's brilliant um and profit is like i'm a capitalist i'm pro-capitalism i'm just anti the way capitalism has been practiced in the past 40 years yeah. Um, a, a shift happened in the late seventies and early eighties where ideas from Milton Friedman who shifted from, uh, consumer economics, like Adam Smith economics is serve the consumer. Milton Friedman economics and Jack Welch economics is serve the producer. It's self-interested and that doesn't work. Uh, hmm. like now organizations are, what's your purpose? Grow. It's like, no, no. Mm -hmm. The only thing that grows for growth's sake is cancer. Like you, you have to, you have to do something bigger than that. Um, yeah. and in order to generate and demand 
a loyal following, which is what mm. you know many of us marketers try to do is generate a loyal following. Um, is we, you know, like I'll pause my my live TV recording when a Pampers or a Huggies commercial comes on because I'm like, that's going to make me cry and I'm okay with that, right? Because mm. it's actually compelling um, yeah. and they stand for something bigger. And even more powerfully, I don't know if they do this, but live it on the inside out for your employees, mm. right? Because we will only love an organization as much as the employees love it as customers. So tell me about that. You, you mentioned Patagonia, who's part of this community called B Corp. Do you think that is the answer? Or do you think that's one option for businesses that are trying to figure out this purpose? I think it's an option and I think it's a it's a great option, but I think we need to have a higher standard for all for-profit organizations mm-hmm. and, and even not-for-profit. Um, uh, Adam Braun, who wrote Pencils of Promise, has a great uh, distinction between you can be uh, uh, for-profit and not-for-profit. You can also be for-purpose and not-for-purpose. Mm-hmm. And there are wow. plenty of nonprofit organizations, which, by the way, who defines themselves by what they aren't? Like, yeah. say you're a for-impact organization. You have profit. It's just different. Um, and so, but you can have, uh, you know, a non, a non-for-profit that actually isn't for a purpose. Yeah. Um, that actually doesn't put the, put the purpose first and puts bureaucracy or other or funding ahead of, 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 of anything else. Um, but yeah, I mean, but back to your question of how did I get involved? Um, uh, so I, I, I fell out of love with my career very early on. Um, and it was because, you know, I wasn't in an evil organization necessarily, but I was one that wasn't a fit for me. Um, and the, the trouble was, um, it was the first choice I made in my life where something wasn't panning out Mm. ever. I mean, and so many of us go through this where, you know, it's kindergarten, elementary, Mm. high school, college, or or university, we know exactly what we need to do to, to get the grade to keep going. Yeah. And it was in the first time in my life where I was lost. And the first person mm-hmm. I blame was me. What's wrong with yeah. me? Huh. I think it's very human of us that yeah. oftentimes we go to ourselves first. Um, I said to a mentor, a guy by the name of James Powell, uh, I'm afraid to do marketing for an organization where I don't believe what they sell and how they sell it. Mm. Um, Cause I was moving into a marketing role. And he said, watch this talk. And he sent me Simon's talk. I procrastinated for two months, didn't watch it. I remember exactly where I was sitting in my parents' house when I watched that video. And I just puppy dogged. I went like, huh. Uh, Everything Simon said in that TEDx talk from Puget Sound, the one we referenced before, uh, resonated as as true. Um, You know, it wasn't anything I didn't necessarily know, but it was everything that I believed in. Mm -hmm. And I just started sharing the idea with anyone who would listen. I went to a uh, a conference to hear Malcolm Gladwell speak. Uh, he was uh, talking about David versus Goliath at, at the time. Nice, yeah. Uh, and uh, and Simon spoke just before him. Didn't even know. Uh, and I went with some friends, and you know Simon's face is on the cover of the program, and it's like, hey, it's it's your it's your boy because I'd been writing golden circles on <laughs> on napkins and explaining it to them. And like I just got right place, right time. I mean, I'd be mm-hmm. doing this work with or without Simon, and I'm very fortunate that it's with him. I met him in the hall. I sent yeah. him a LinkedIn message. Nice. Um, he, he, he responded. I now lead the team that <laughs> responds to people who read it. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I just, I, I got lucky. Uh, and I started doing, uh, the first role I had with them was doing the start with why podcast, which yeah. we did a number of years ago. I think we did 16 episodes. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was ended up being the team member number four who, who joined. 
Um, and I started doing a uh, fan email. I was doing customer service email for like two years and it was awful. Like I didn't enjoy it. I'm good at writing an email. I'm not good at writing 15, let alone, you know, tech issues on a, yeah. on our online course or whatever it might be. Um, but you know, I believed in, in the why and I, and I got to a point where I said, all right, I can either, I can choose to focus on what I can contribute to, or I can dwell on how I'm suffering. Mm. And I just decided to said, you know what, I want to choose to, to be here. I want to um, focus on what's in my span of, of of control and rock it to the best of my ability. And if I do that, the right opportunities will come. And that's what's happened. So question on that LinkedIn message, because there's a lot yes. of folks that are maybe uh, want to reach out to people or looking for jobs right now. Yes. Do you have that LinkedIn message somewhere? Like any, any tricks or tips on it? Or is it just that? Sure. Yeah. So two things, I wrote him two messages. Yeah. One was simple. The other was a bit more robust, but I think there's lessons in both. So the, the first LinkedIn message I sent to him was after I heard him speak, I felt compelled to write a blog about hearing him. And so I had a little LinkedIn group that I've since, you know, abandoned um, uh, but it was a, it was a, a group on millennial engagement in the workforce. Mm. Uh, and I decided to write a quick little, you know, I watched this talk, I heard him live, I'm going to read this book and I recommend that you do the same. And so I, I found him on LinkedIn and I was totally inspired by the guy. And I just said like, Hey, like, so good to meet you. I don't know if you remember me. I bumped into you in the hall. I asked, I asked that question, Ron tight. If you know, Ron tight was, yeah. was emceeing yeah. that event. Ron's fantastic. Good friend of mine. Wow. Yeah, he's been, Ron's he's been on the show. He was amazing. Yeah. An amazing guest. Yeah. Yeah. I love Ron. He's, he's so good. Um, and he, he was emceeing that event. Uh, and you know, sure enough, a couple of weeks later, Simon wrote back saying, thanks so much, you know, for spreading the, the, the message. I hope you enjoy the book more than you enjoy the talk. And I'm like, probably not going to happen because I'm not that big of a reader, but you know, cool. It's a nice, it, it's a nice sentiment, but I think the reason it was effective is because I wasn't just fanboying. I was like, look, like I'm part of this. I feel part of this. I'm just going to advance this because I believe in it and I believe in you. Thanks. And I produce content for you and look, and I shipped it out. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't for anything other than to serve and inspire others or give them tools and resources to feel inspired them, th themselves. Um, and then the email that got me onto a path of then I met him some months later. So I heard him speak live in November, wrote him an email. I then went on Christmas break or Christmas vacation and I read the book and then I was obsessed. Um, and I Googled and listened to any freaking interview that I could listen to. Like I just, I just, was it was all consuming, um, and I started in a new job, uh, in, in in consulting, and I sent Simon what I call now a five paragraph email or a network, you know, an email with intent or whatever, and it's essentially here's how we know each other, so like I'm not just some some random, uh, here's the reason you inspire me, mm -hmm. and if you get that right, they'll keep reading. Mm -hmm. Um, if you get it right, but they're a phony, yeah. <laughs> they'll stop reading. That's yeah. not about you. That's about them. Um, here's what I'm inspired to do hmm. because of that inspiration. Here's what I wanted you to help contribute to who you are and what you believe in. Here's how I make up. You can help me. Can I buy you a coffee? Wow. Um, and, and, and where are you right now geographically at this moment? I'm still in Toronto. You're still in Toronto. And where is Simon? Where's Simon? Where is I mean, he's based in New York. So you um, plan to like drive there, fly there? I mean, I, I didn't know. 
I didn't know where he was. I thought he was in New York, but it was it was just the main point of can I have a 15 minute call? Yeah, yeah. Okay, or a call. Coffee a call. or a call. It does, yeah, okay. yeah. Coffee call, 15 minute conversation, right? Yeah. Now it's Zoom, right? Can we do a Zoom? Right, exactly. Yeah. That's all we can do. Living living our best 2D lives over here. Yes. Uh, and he responded immediately. Um, and it was an autoresponder saying, I no longer respond to my professional email. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. No joke. If it's due to, you know, if this is relates to B2B or partnership opportunities, right to Kim, if it's to do with my schedule, right to Danielle, and if it, you know, if it's a customer service request, right, right to David, um, who they're all friends now. Um, and I, I picked, I'm like, yeah, I don't have enough gumption to write to Kim. This isn't a partnership or something strategic. So I wrote to David and Danielle, Danielle wrote back a few days later saying every now and then we receive an email like, like yours, uh, that warrants more than a, a, a response. And they set up a, a phone call. Um, David wrote back and said something different. He's like, eh, you know, we get a lot of emails, all the best, like, see ya. And I felt like I was in kindergarten being like, one teacher said I could go to the bathroom, but the other didn't. Like, I'm going. Um, but yeah, that was January. We were supposed to have a call in February. This would have been of 2010 or 11, 2011. Wow. Um, and we didn't speak until... April, it got postponed, but the timing was perfect because I spoke with him on a Tuesday or Wednesday. And the next day I was going to New York. Um, it was going to be with my girlfriend, but we broke up. So it was with my brother. Um, and I had a like amazing 45 minute conversation with him. Uh, and he invited to join me to join him and his family to, for a charity walk. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, it was an, I still remember it vividly in the advice he gave me and, uh, it was fantastic. Wow. And, and then for that to turn into a career, what were the the next steps there? It was just, there was an opening in his organization you applied and. I mean, we were a, a ragtags, they were a ragtag small team then we've yeah. since, you know, grown. Um, but it was more that I continued to nurture and develop relationships with other people on his team. Um, and, and, uh, David Mead, who, who was on the team for, uh, 10 years, yeah. um, he was tasked with starting the start with why podcast. Uh, he was a fan of radio lab, yes. uh, Jada Boomrad and Robert Krolwich. And he's <laughs> like, a podcast is way more compelling with a, with a, a couple of hosts. Yeah. Um, and he, he invited me to do it with him. It was unpaid. And I was like, yeah, like amazing. Yes. Bring it on thought like a great way to learn more about the content and be affiliated with the brand. And then David went and started his speaking um, and facilitation career with, with us. And so I filled his shoes um, or attempted to, to fill his shoes doing customer service and product development and eventually social media. Uh, and now we're here. It's amazing. So, so those that are in marketing, Yes, um, you know, small business enterprise. Why should they read this book, or, or maybe read it again, or why should they watch this video? What what will it do to their actual marketing? How will it kind of switch the mind frame? I mean, I I think the responsibility of of marketing is not just messaging. Um, and oftentimes, when people hear, you know, start with why, it's like, yeah, just start with why with your communications. But if you only say it but don't do it, that's the definition of being inauthentic. And I think marketing and all of us have the responsibility and courage that the things we say ought to match the things that we do. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, marketing's responsibility is not just to sound good, but to ensure that what is being preached is being practiced. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I think of the, what was that really powerful commercial that came out from Gillette, I think it was, at the wake of the Me Too movement. And, you know, this whole notion of, is this the best a man can get? 
amazingly inspiring, edgy, provocative marketing. Yeah. Bravo. Yeah. But if you work at uh, on Gillette's brand, which is owned by Procter and Gamble, and your boss is a misogynist, you got a problem. Hmm. And so it is okay to talk a big talk, but you've got to walk it. And you don't yeah. need to be perfect. I've also learned that, um, you know, uh, great cultures aren't one in which there's an absence of conflict. It's yeah. what you do when the conflict arises and how do you respond mm. to it. So when we look to go, you know, as a consumer to buy and we look at these marketing messages, how do we know what's happening behind the scenes? I mean, we we don't, but the truth comes out eventually. Okay. Um, and it's also how do brands respond once an issue is found? Do you Volkswagen it? and pretend it doesn't exist or try to hide it for as long as possible until you're caught? Or do you Maple Leaf Foods it, right? Mm -hmm. Ma Maple Leaf Foods, when, uh, was it Michael McCain, who was, when there was the Listeria outbreak, this would have been back in like 2008 yeah. or 2009, amazing. There was yeah. a press conference as quick as possible. They owned yeah. up to it, they took responsibility, and Michael McCain was genuinely in tears, Yeah. right? Human. Yeah. Um, there was no, there was no hiding, lighting or, or faking, you know, uh, it was ethical. Yeah. And this, this is part of the issue with, with business mm. is too many people see the responsibility of business of staying within the bounds of the law. Yeah. There's a higher order. What about ethics? And so, and then, and now there's the court of public opinion because it's, you know, and even more so because of social media and cancel culture and kind of, you know, transparency and, and, you know, the social accountability, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, which you know we we've got to be careful with because it's yeah. easy to proliferate fake news or, or a lie just yeah. as much as you know everything's a spin these days. But you know, like I I notice that my news feed only feeds things that reinforce my opinion. Yeah, and so I actively seek the other opinion. Yeah, or I'll go I'll, I'll Google search other stuff just so it it I confuse it. Yeah. And so I stumble across things that it thinks I might like, but maybe yeah. I disagree with it, but that's okay. I yeah. want, I want to see it. Wow. Otherwise I just, I'm proving what I already believe and I'm not growing. Wow. Um, so I think we have a responsibility ourselves now more than ever that we need to seek out mm -hmm. differing views. Cause if we don't, we're just fed mm -hmm. exactly what the algorithm thinks we, we want to read, which is dangerous. So I'm at Brand X or Agency Y, and I'm I'm looking for something fresh, a new one. I want to kind of test the market and see what's out there. Is there any kind of tricks or tactics uh, besides reading Glassdoor uh, to discover kind of the inner workings of an organization? Um, I mean, you can go and speak to people who work there. Like, here's yeah. a little fun story. Yeah. Maybe this this answers your your question. So it's a it's a Simon story. When he was writing his re most recent book, The Infinite Game, um, he had a pretty profound experience. He was staying at the Four Seasons in Las Vegas. He was put up there. Yeah. Um, the reason it's a Simon story is I'm not put up at the Four Seasons. Um, the Hyatt's lovely. Uh, so he he goes down um, to the coffee bar and he meets a young man who's mm -hmm. outstanding, a kid by the name of Noah, you know, mm -hmm. mid twenties, a yeah. barista. Um, and you know, the reason we love hotels like the four seasons is not because of the beds, any hotel can get a great bed. It's our interactions with the people mm -hmm. and at the Ritz Carlton or the four seasons or all these hotels or any great ho uh, hotel, you interact with people who work there and they say, Hey, how are you? Anything I can do to help. And you get the sense that it's not their job. Yeah. They literally want to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we always know when we walk into a Zara and someone's working on, on sales commission. <laughs> 
Not that I walk into Zara. <laughs> I love that you picked Zara of My all places. My wife was just looking at Zara online recently. So, was, you know, we, we all know what it feels like when yeah. someone's working on commission, totally. right? Um, so, so Simon starts a conversation with this kid, Noah, and he's yeah. engaging and charming and yeah. funny. And he has this amazing exchange with this employee. Um, and he says to Noah, do you like working here? And without skipping a beat, Noah says, I love working here. Now, if you're in my line of work yeah. and someone says, I love working here, you're like, spidey senses, you know, like is rational. Love is irrational. Yeah. It's like, do you love your wife? I like her a lot. That's probably an issue. Yeah. Love, higher order. Yeah. And so Simon asked Noah, what is it that the Four Seasons is doing that you would tell me a complete stranger that you love working here? Yeah. And Noah says multiple times throughout the day, managers, not even my manager, come up to me and, and say, Noah, they know my name. How are you doing? Do you need anything to be successful today? Wow. And of course that gets passed on to the customer. Of course it does. You know, they'll even yeah. say, how was that fishing trip with your dad? Like they know about me. He also volunteered that he works down the street at another hotel in this exact same job. And he says, there, I show up on time and I leave as quick as I can and I keep my head low because anytime I'm noticed by a manager, it's because I'm doing something wrong and I'm reprimanded. Wow. He says, there, I... I hide and keep a low profile so as not to be noticed. I do not go outside of the span of my role whatsoever for fear of getting a slap on the hand or being fired. He said, only at the Four Seasons do I feel as though I can show up and be at my natural best. Wow. That's what it is. And it's leadership. The only difference between those two hotels is that the Four Seasons, the leaders view that they work for Noah definition of, of, of leadership, right? Like, that, yeah. we, that we talked about showing up and serving those in your span of care to you know, uh, to contribute to something bigger than ourselves, a guest experience. And the other hotel, the manager's view is though Noah works for them on compliance. And you get, and, and, and the reason is, is probably because higher up there, it's a top down. And so just to answer your question, go speak to people who work there. Wow. So in, in today's days, you can go to LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, just creepily be like, Hey, I'm thinking about getting a job there. Do you like it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you love your 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 job? So, well, and, and, I wouldn't go that far. No, and and maybe and, and why 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 is it a good place to work? Or, or hey, I noticed the glass door is this. Do you think that's accurate? Or if or if you're interviewing, like we all know this, the interview is as much about you as it is about them. Should be, or yeah. right, or yeah. and vice versa. And so you know, tell me about a typical project, or tell me about a project you loved. Yeah, you know, okay. or do you love working here? And like, mm. look at their response. Like, yeah. do they go, well, I mean, it's just a job. Yeah. It's like, it's like, absolutely. I feel taken care of here. Wow. I, I grow here, you know? Wow. Um, so it's not necessarily scalable, but yeah. it's a good way to do it. Wow. So tell me about for you, kind of what's, what are you excited about for this next season of life and kind of the, what, what's the hope for the work world, right? Like there's all these kind of talks and speakers um, talking about kind of like this new workforce and the new work environment, kind of what, give me something hopeful and inspiring about this next season of, of life. I mean, I, I I'm, I'm an idea, I, I'm an optimist, yeah. which is when idealism meets reality. Yes. And so I believe in a brighter future and our ability to build it together. And we got a lot of work to do. Hmm. Like I, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. We got yeah. a lot of work to do. Okay. Um, we have a lot of work to do societally. We have a lot of work to do um, as leaders, as, as organizations. Um, it's a, it's an odd time in humanity, I will say. Yeah. 
it is an odd time in, in humanity where I think we're viewed as assets rather than human beings. We're mm. viewed as how can we be marketed to rather than how can we serve people through our marketing. Yeah. And I wow. think those leaders and organizations who will stand out and pivot will stand for something and and want to naturally attract people, not because mm. of a of an algorithm that's forcing it, but because of virality, because people share things that bring them value. Um, and I think, you know, we're in a disruptive time. We don't mm. know what the future is going to look like. Mm. We really don't. Um, there's instability politically in so many organizations, mm -hmm. uh, so many countries. Um, and I, and I think, you know, now's the time more than ever that we just need to get this right, that the mm -hmm. responsibility for us all is yeah. for us to find a purpose that we wish to advance to protect mm -hmm. people, the people who work with and, and for us, our vendors, our customers, the societies within which we, we operate and profit is good. So long as you use it to reinvest in, in, in number one and two. And wow. so I think, you know, there's such an, an, an earning with or a yearning with the Black Lives Matter movement, yeah. um, uh, with so many worthwhile things that happen where we need to make real change, yeah. where capitalism serves the consumer and isn't, doesn't just serve itself. Yeah. Uh, and these are changes that need to be made. And the only people that can make it are people and are right. people who choose to show up and lead. And so I care to support anyone who has the courage to lead, the courage to do the the right thing, even if it isn't easy. Um, that's why we exist, is to support those infinite-minded leaders and those those leaders who want to put people um, and purpose first. Wow. I, I love how you describe that. I, one of the things of getting kind of a lot, you got to get certain points. You got to get 80 points to become a B Corp. And one of them is you got to change your bylaws to get a lot of points. I think it's like eight points or something that says, you know, the, the cash flow, the profit is not the number one purpose of existing purpose you know, and, and, and the greater good is the purpose. It's way better written by the B Corp folks. And they, they ask you to make that in your legal bylaws, mm -hmm. um, which I find fascinating. And, and other thing is you have probably one of the best descriptions of leadership I, I've ever heard in my life, in all my years living. I feel like I want to, you know, going into a job or working with someone, I feel like I've learned something here today where I want to ask someone, what's your definition of leadership? Mm. And, and even if someone comes into an inner job interview, I encourage you, if it's not, you're not talking to the main person, find out if you can find out what the main person's definition of leadership is. Cause that sounds like that trickles down to everyone. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. So here's a question. Um, I'm in Vancouver, Ron tights in Toronto. I got to ask him why of all the people I've had on the show, he, he was one of the most fascinating people I've met. So I don't know him well, he, mm -hmm. you know, he got introduced someone, you know, the Canada post introduced us. Why, what makes Ron so fascinating? Why do you think what it is? What's it about this man? <laughs> I mean, one, Ron is hilarious. I mean, he comes from a second city comedy background. Okay. Um, so so he's, he was a comedian. Yeah, he, he's done stand-up and, and improv. I think more improv. Okay. Um, but, I mean, you know, I describe a lot of what I do as just stand-up on purpose. Yes. Um, you know, and and it's... it's, it's uh, it's education, but entertainment. I mean, you want to get a message across such that people enjoy it, but they take something with it. Yeah, and I yeah. think Ron is a is funny, but he uses humor to make a point. And the, you know, the 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 best speakers, uh, the, there's a difference between charisma and inspiration, right? When you hear a very charismatic speaker, you leave being like, "Wow, they were so great," but when you hear a speaker who's inspiring, 
you leave being like, wow, this is what I took and this is what I can do. And this is what I, what, 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 what I can apply or here's how I, or we can be so great because of that. And I think Ron does that brilliantly. He's a, mm. he's an artful storyteller. He's the opposite of canned. Um, you know, uh, he's always, I think he, he builds a new story or a new bit or a new thing into every single talk he does. Like he's committed to the, to the art, to the practice mm. of being an effective, uh, a leader and effective com com communicator inside of his, of his, of his agency as a dad. Mm. Um, I really admire him. Um, and you know, we're not the closest, but we're in touch and, and all of my interactions with him, I, I admire him. Um, and I think he's, you know, he's very similar uh, to Simon as well. I mean, mm -hmm. Simon is about, you know, Ron just came out with a book, Think, Do, Say, yeah. which is the same as Why, How, What, right? Think, stand for something bigger than yourself. Do, act in a way that is consistent with that. And, and say that all the mm -hmm. things you put out, everything that's tangible about you is an accurate representation of who you are and, and, and what you believe. So, wow. you know, maybe Ron Tite is Canadian Simon Sinek. Who, who knows? I feel like in our brief moments together, I feel inspired by this talk, right? by this conversation alone. I feel like I've walked away and I feel uh, inspired, convicted in, mm. in some ways. And and I've got some things to change and I've got some different ways to look at life. Stephen, thank you. This has been, yeah, very rich, I could say. I'd say the best way to describe it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I really hope it, it helps your your listeners on whatever jam they're, they're on. So uh, tell me, that, where can people find out more information about Simon Sinek, more resources, more kind of uh, support you guys provide folks? Yeah, yeah. So all roads lead to simonsinek.com, S-I-N-E-K. Uh, okay. uh, okay. And we have lots of stuff. So one of the things, one of the, the main pivot we did with, with COVID uh, is to offer live online classes. Wow. Um, so previously, most of our work was B2B. And because yeah. of COVID, we've pivoted and anyone all over the world, we offer it in multiple time zones can come take a class with us, wow. whether it's finding your why or yeah. learning how to lead with an infinite mindset or a class on culture or trust wow. or delivering and accepting feedback. We've got tons of classes there. So if you want to um, experience this and work on these concepts live with others who wish to work on these concepts, all of our classes have breakout rooms as well, where you're working with with other That's participants incredible. from all over the world. Yeah, uh, you can come check out our live online classes. That's simonsinnick.com forward slash inspire you, as in the letter U. Yeah, um, and I'm most active on LinkedIn. If you want to look me up, I think I'm the only Stephen Shedletsky in the world. It's one of the benefits <laughs> of having a complicated Polish name. No, uh, I'm missing, I have a complicated Hungarian name. So there you yeah, go. Yeah. And my, yeah. my, my, my wife's a Hungarian background. So oh. there you go. One of the same. Okay. Um, so yeah, has she, no, has she made polentintas for you yet? Has she made what? Polentintas. It's like a Hungarian crepe. They're amazing. I've not had the crepes. I've, I've had other stuff. I've had, um, Nogerly. Nogerly. Nogerly I've had. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a yummy, uh, soul food diet. Right. And if you yeah. want something really healthy, you can go to, of all places, London Drugs, uh, okay. the, the drugstore, is only called Zwack, and it's a Hungarian medicinal liquor. Cool. Amazing. Yeah, but only available at London Drugs, behind the counter. Bring it on. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Stephen, this has been incredible. We'll put all the links uh, in the show notes here. Um, I, I feel like I've got a lot to think about. Um, 
seriously, thank you for giving of your time and um, really appreciate it. And those that are uh, listening but not watching, uh, make sure you check out uh, Stephen's microphone hack. Stephen, can you show can you show the hack that you did to people? Yeah, gladly. I made this years ago. This is pantyhose. Pantyhose based around kind of a wired cord system, and it's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Amazing. I've had it for years. Still, still, still going strong. Uh, thanks again, Stephen. Cool. Cheers. Thanks everyone for joining us this week on Marketing Jam. Um, this was a very rich. Um, talk, conversation, lots to think about here. Um, there's going to be notes uh, in the show notes, of course. Uh, we'll see you next week on The Jam. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded at the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editor, Travis Jeffers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.